You are now locked into the Beyond the Hashtag podcast every other Tuesday at midday. Subscribe and follow us on all our platforms to continue breaking the generational chains of racism one goal at a time. Hashtag BTH pod. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to Beyond the Hashtag. Tuning in to episode seven. How are you doing, guys? Mr. Sun Engineer, how are you doing this this afternoon? I'm all right, you know. I'm here, man. Yeah. Just, you know. I, I wanted to find out how everyone is because you know, like, it's, it's a strange time. You know, COVID. You know, here in the UK, we're, we're still we're still in lockdown, kind of coming out by lo- of lockdown. By the Terror time of the world. Yeah, just, like everyone's still yeah, I know it's, it's 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 a bit mad, but yeah, I just want to see how everyone's doing mentally, emotionally. You know, let let me let me know because yeah, it's a difficult time for everyone. But I hope I can bring. Counting you, down to the second, bro. I'm counting down to the second. And yeah, second. yeah, I know. Till we get out, I know because boy, London tier two. Some people are still in tier three. It's all it's all a bit mad. Um, yeah, I, like what Christmas is coming up. What people people just been getting the PS fives. What did you did you cop it? Nah, nah, I'm still holding the PS four. Yeah, same, same. It's a bit. I'll pay for my plus still. Don't worry. Bro. Yeah, yeah. No, nah, I know. I know quite a few people who bagged. Like we know a few people who bagged. This is bad. Yeah, people got like shout out Wounds Crew, my my pro clubs lot. Like yeah, yeah, they 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 all copped and they all banging pro clubs on PS five and I'm banging pro clubs on PS four. So wait, the same. Yeah, yeah, but I think they're gonna cut it off after a while. So what the games like you can yeah play... yeah so for the last couple of weeks yeah we've been playing f- like some man have been on five uh, like me and a couple Swear. others have been on four but I think there's gonna be a cutoff date yeah Yikes. it's a bit techie yeah but yeah shout out to random anyway they're they're there um, also shout out to everyone who joined the quiz um, by the time this comes out we've already announced the winner and yeah all that kind of stuff but now I appreciate all you guys um, kind of tuning into the quiz it was it was it had a lot of effort to put together and. Um, yeah, it was, it was <laughs> some of the answers, you know, I had a lot of people coming to me and being like, oh, my finger slipped and uh, I press the rock. Listen, that's that's not what the stats were saying. So, boy, like, it's not my fault you didn't take your time and all of that. I wasn't trying to hear no excuses. So, yeah, congrats to the winner. Um, yeah, you'll find out by the time you, you listen to this. But, yeah, that was just a, sh- a little show of our appreciation for um, everyone who supported us up until this point. And, you know, welcome to any new followers who joined um, since the quiz. You know, we're here to fight for a massive cause and a good cause so yeah hopefully you enjoy the journey for as long as you're with us so but without much further ado let's get into the episode starting with some current news about discrimination in the world of football firstly firstly you have to say rp to maradona you do yeah have to, yeah man. we have to man big to. big big respect big big condolences to his family because yeah that is when you talk about the impact of someone like maradona yeah. pff, like football, like like someone like Messi wouldn't be who he is today without, without, without Maradona. Yeah. Like it's, it's actually nuts, and like Maradona and Pene, they're literally like the gods of football. Like it's, it's actually it's scary. It's nuts. It's nuts. And literally to, to say he did the hand of God itself, it's like do you know what I mean. Like, it's, yeah. So no big uh, RIP to Maradona. For the football world, That's man. a massive, massive. I don't even think like it's hit most people because we're still in lockdown and football's just a bit. Twenty twenty. Yeah, like, football's in a weird place right now. But when you actually deep like the impact someone like Maradona has had on football like when you think of football there's like only a few names that come to mind Fact. first 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 and that's like that's that's Maradona that's Pele you know and then your own personal heroes after that but yeah nah, it's, that, that was a great great loss to the football world and yeah it's just it's a sad day for Argentina Napoli yeah not nah, repeat to Maradona 
on a discrimination point of view, um, the first sort of major news story that I have to talk about, um, again, is the type of news story that's been regurgitated a lot of times, but it's something that, you know, we're going to have to keep calling out until something's done about it. Uh, it's the online abuse um, kind of side of things and relating specifically to my club. I'm going to have to dig them out here. The club I personally support, Arsenal. Um, the abuse directed to Nicolas Pepe after he received a red card against Leeds in, on the 22nd of November. So, yeah, it was a heated incident. You know, he... he quote-unquote head-butted Leeds player got himself sent off yeah whatever let the team down um all of that but yeah afterwards you know you go online and you literally type in Pepe and the n-word or Pepe and any kind of abuse and you just see tweets upon tweets upon tweets of, of just like crazy just ridiculous insults and yeah just just crazy things people atting him you know twitter instagram all of that stuff and yeah for, for, for a player who you know, we know this young generation, We they, they all check their social medias. You know, he's going to go online. I hope he didn't, but he, there's a good chance he went online and, and, and saw all of that. Um, and it just raises the question again, you know, what are they doing to ban these kind of things on social media platforms, especially because, you know, it's just so easy for tons and tons of accounts. Like, it's one thing to be annoyed at someone like Pepe for what he did um, on the pitch, but then to take it off the pitch and to abuse him for that level of... of just just craziness level of insults it's just uh, it, yeah it's just beyond belief to me and it, it's just it's going to keep happening and we're going to keep calling it out but like we we produce solutions and we need to see organizations like twitter instagram working with you know uh, the clubs the the premier league the fa the crown prosecution services the actual legal side of things to actually track people down and actually you know get them banned off the platforms and then ban them from football and and take it to the legal proceedings that it has to. What do you think of the club statement though? I thought it was a bit I thought it was a bit rushed. I felt like it was a bit it's good that we issued the statement. For Pepe or yeah, oh, oh the Pepe. online abuse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, I think it was just a pretty standard statement that most people give that we're gonna work with the organisation yeah, yeah, yeah. to do it. But again it's not really, really like you're not hitting, hitting, you're not yeah, hitting the subject like hitting home and it, you know, you're not yeah, you're not identifying the people specifically and then nah. reprimanding them afterwards. Um I mean one of our listeners suggested that um, they create a system online, on especially on Twitter and Instagram, where it literally just bans the use of those words, such um, as the N-words and any other, you know, anti-Semitic or just discriminatory terms in general. Like, the same way that when there was a US election, if you tweeted certain things, you know, it would come up with a notification being like, oh, this, this could potentially be fake news or blah, yeah. blah, blah. Like, they actually had that. So they have the functionality to do certain things. They just need to manifest it in the right ways for these kind of serious issues which happen on a daily basis because it's not just a football issue it's a, it's a kind of social media issue in general it happens to celebrities across different industries and you know the functionality is there they just need to manipulate it in the right way to stop people from using those words you know if i pick up my phone right now and i want to tweet the n-word why should i be able to do that it should be allowed to it? yeah it should, it should just be like stopped straight away and then it should be blocked instantly. because even when you go on certain tweets and instagram like videos and posts they like it tells you, oh, this is potentially sensitive content, or this is potentially abusive content. So it's and like can't you just be terminated yeah. after using? I think they they do have that. Like in terms of like I know other platforms do like maybe like Instagram or um, like Snapchat. If your content is too explicit, they will notify you yeah. and either terminate your your account and block your account. Yeah, and things like that. So I think the fact that Twitter don't have something that is just in the the sensitive 
but it's obviously easier to like come across. It's not like, mm. yeah, I don't know, like the, the X-rated content or whatever. But it's like that content that people put up swearing and that words things. I know it's expression, but racial terms and that yes, yeah. that's, that's not something that you should be allowed to just casually type with your fingers like and just yeah. post it. No, at all. And I think we're in a strange place with social media, and that's why there's not a lot of laws about how to deal with things because it's it's kind of the cross between freedom of speech and then actually you know um regulating what people actually say you know it's, it's a it's a tough balance but to be honest like i've never subscribed in terms of social media to the freedom of speech argument just because there's different levels of the law which we might get into a future episode about how you use that kind of hate speech and things like that but why is it then if you say it online nothing's really actually done to you you could you know get your tweet blocked or, or your instagram post kind of taken down or whatever but, or even if you do get your account banned, you just turn around and make another one and then just carry on your abuse it. again and again. So that, that's the further problem. So, yeah, it's, it's the, the, you have freedom of speech, but if you abuse that freedom of speech in a form of hate speech, then you have to be reprimanded in, in a particular way. So, yeah, just just raise the issue again. Again, we welcome more solutions about how social media can, can change this kind of problem because we're just going to see it again and again and again and again. It's just going to be a cycle of, of the same thing going around again. So... Yeah, the the pay play thing, you know, is is it's not even as just an Arsenal fan problem, but you know, we we condemn, yeah, we condemn the Arsenal fans or people who call themselves Arsenal fans who did that um, against their own player, which is just crazy in itself. But yeah, it's a football problem, it's a society problem. So yeah, it's something that we really have to kick out as soon as we can. The second news story um, relates to the media side of things again, relating to newspapers. So. Uh, Manchester United football player Mason Greenwood so he's been having a, a kind of a tough season uh, especially off the pitch with with certain incidents and, and things like that um, but there was a particular headline that came out um, earlier this month or in the month of November which was Man United fear Mason Greenwood could throw career away like Ravel Morrison so a bit of context Ravel Morrison is a um, kind of older Manchester United player who well, used to play for Manchester United he was dubbed to be like this big starlet of, of United supposed to be the next big thing and he never really made it because of uh, possibly off the field issues etc so it was like the media were trying to <laughs> he was another light-skinned guy so they were kind mm-hmm. of making the comparison and the media were just basically trying to push Mason Greenwood's career down that route but just because he had one or two off-field issues and it, it just raised the point of what we said in episode two about tearing down our young English players especially with the media and the kind of agenda that fuels with it was a Daily Mirror who, who wrote the article but that kind of headline you see that and you just immediately people see that and just put Mason Greenwood in that bucket and that's yeah. it it's done like he, he's gonna throw his career away it doesn't right. matter what he does it's just oh, it's just again and again and then I want to compare it directly to someone like Phil Foden who was in the exact same instant as Greenwood they both did the same wrong but if you look at the level of kind of scrutiny that Mason Greenwood's got in the last couple of months since that's happened and then Phil Foden on the same level Phil Foden's managed to get back into the England squad mm. kick on playing for Man City he just scored again we just looked at the scores he just got an assist or whatever like he's back playing in the team and on the football side of things, I don't want to get into that because you could say, okay, yeah, Foden has been showing yeah, good things in training, whatever. But yeah. like, we're talking about in the media and off the pitch stuff. There's no difference as to what they've been getting themselves involved with off the pitch. They both apologised for what they did. Yet suddenly, Mason Greenwood is getting more scrutiny off the media. Why? We can only present it to the racial and discrimination part of things because that's the only difference between the two, unfortunately. So. 
you know, again, this is just another example of how the media can control our minds and present stereotypes. And that's something that we're going to get into further in this episode. So it's not a case where we necessarily have to boycott those medias specifically because we've tried that and that has to happen eventually if, if they keep doing what they're doing but on a lower level we really have to think about how we see certain stereotypes when they're presented to us in this way and how we again treat our young players in England because we're so quick to turn them down when one or two things happen but we have to realize they're human beings and we have to realize the difference in the way that we're treating them and not let ourselves be fed by these crazy headlines from you know, media outlets such as the Mirror, the Sun, the Mail, etc. So, yeah, Mason Greenwood, you know, let him just do his talking on the pitch, which he's trying to do, and yeah, leave all the other stuff and those kind of narratives away from things. Further on from this, his teammate Marcus Rashford, which we've spoken about multiple times on this podcast, um, for the some of the amazing things he's done, he's still trying to get torn down, and we've everyone predicted this to be honest with you. That's the funny thing, like he's doing so many great things in Britain for the kids and he, he's getting rewarded you know even by the queen and things like that um the daily mail decided to do a bit of digging as as they're known to do and basically try to throw dirt upon his name by just kind of making a subtle dig at him investing in a load of houses in manchester so it was basically saw that yeah it was the headline of oh what a result. Campaigning football star Marcus Rashford has bought five luxury homes worth more than two million. And and that was it. That was the main headline. And if you go deeper into the story, it just talks about him investing in properties. And it's, it's like, well, why is that a problem? He's a footballer who makes X amount of millions. He can do what he wants with his money. And I think he even said, he said, even said. Yeah, exactly. And his, his direct quote was, I'm 23. I came from little. I need to protect not just my future, but my family's too. To do that, I made a decision at the beginning of 2020 to start investing more in property. Please don't run stories like this alongside references to campaigning. And I think he's so right to respond in that way because it, they're basically trying to create the narrative. This is exactly how, and you can analyze it how you want. This is exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to say that, oh, he's campaigning to feed all these kids, but he's also, you know, investing millions of pounds into home so they're kind of trying to paint the picture of oh marcus you're, you're trying to tell us to help you fund all these kids and their meals why can't you just do it yourself yourself with your millions which is absolutely just ludicrous because <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's like you want you want him to go broke basically I so lie. so you can fix all the problems that the mp should have fixed in the first place right. you just want him to go broke and not protect himself and his family for the for the sake of what but the fact is the fact that he's pushing that forward because he's he said it he said I was in this place before and I don't want to see the same kind of upbringings with those towards the future so I'm going to help. Mm. I'm going to do my bit but at the same time he's like, bruv, I'm in a position where I can look after my family. I'm going to buy my house, my family five houses. Of course. Like, so the, the government <laughs> and then man should just, just allow it. <laughs> and, and speaking of the government, you make a direct comparison to Rishi Sunak, he's Mr. Money, he's Mr. Chancellor. He's the richest MP this country has ever seen. You know, his house in London is worth more than £7 million alone. And he owns another mansion in Yorkshire worth £1.5 million. All of this, while he voted no to feeding the children when Rashford pushed it to Parliament. So if if you want to run an agenda, run it on on the man who's supposed to be running the financial side of this country, but is also voting against children being fed in the first place. And and 
drag up how many houses he owns and 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 drag him in the media if you want to drag anyone. But <laughs> Rashford is not the guy to be doing that to at all. But again, like I said, we predicted it would happen because of the agenda that the media wants to run. And you know, we even look at someone like uh, Robbie Fowler, who um, for those who don't know, he's a white Liverpool football player back in the nineties. He bought there was a joke, running joke that he basically owns half of Liverpool, Liverpool because he used his money and his wealth as a footballer to invest in loads of houses. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Like, it's your money; you can do what you want with it, and you're not doing anything illegal with it. And even, and even the mad thing is, buying a house is even smart, bro. Thank you. Because then now there's longevity in property investment. Yeah, exactly. You flip or not? Football players they go bust; they they lose their money exactly. because of. And then watch the media will now say so and so didn't know how to spend his money. Then Thank then you. Then. So, <laughs> Rashford's in a position where he's being smart. He's buying these houses at what twenty two years. At twenty two years old, man buying five houses. Those houses are gonna in another twenty two years that those house prices are gonna what yeah. double triple yeah easily yeah. Yeah, no. Let him do what he wants, and yeah, Marcus. I'm I'm happy that you know that that minor thing which we we all saw coming anyway hasn't uh, sort of put a downer on and anything he's trying to do because he's doing amazing things and yeah. But Rashford for prime minister, to be honest with you, no, I'm joking now. But like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just just let the let the boy do what he wants to do on the pitch and off the pitch. He's he's doing amazing things. Um, there's also another comment from one of our listeners um who also stated like, is it is it just her or are some people just set on being outraged by these kind of things so you don't want to move past the outrage and kind of be, be sparking these incidents when they come up and the media outlets just kind of feed into that so it's kind of like the media know that that kind of story will outrage people so they're going to do it and sell papers with it mm-hmm. and yes yeah, so it's kind of like are we are we in a position where we should stop being outraged by it and just kind of ignore it which I agree with to a certain extent because if you, if 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 we spend the whole week talking about the Daily Mail because they release this article, that's good publicity for them. People are going okay. to read the article, etc. So that's why the overall solution is to boycott them eventually. But it's to get to that stage, it's going from like letter A to letter Z. Like we, there's so many things you have to do to get everyone on board in the same direction. Otherwise, if me and you boycott the Daily Mail, what's it really going to do for them? Like we yeah. need millions and millions of people to kind of do that. So. So the whole boycotting thing is a bit it's it's a, as and when people like some things get boycotted some people don't like yeah. for example just saying off topic but pretty little thing was boycotted the other day all of a sudden they're giving away Black Friday pounds. everyone you lot are, don't get me wrong <laughs> man tweeted a couple yeah. times but everyone's making music for for them yeah. people are doing all sorts and like bruv I thought I thought people don't care for them so yeah exactly and it's the same way that if the Daily Mail, the Daily Mirror runs a breaking news story on something that you care about, you're nine times out of ten probably going to click the article because you want to know what's happening. You're not going yeah, to think facts. in your head, oh, snap, I'm supposed to be boycotting them, so I can't really look at this, blah, blah, blah. Like, So, w- whereas the, the boycotting thing is a great solution in theory, um, even the solution that we've presented, it, there has to be other stuff in the middle of that that goes on before we get to that stage. But it's got to be boycotts. a mass boycott. It's got to be a co- It's yeah. got to be a boycott that, that hits... Like you saying, one or two of us cool, but you, how do we get multiple people yeah. to boycott? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we're we're gonna have to work on that as a community and and as a collective because the, all that's gonna happen is that it's just gonna be a cycle of the media drops a little news story, someone gets outraged by it, then you have the people who 
back the news story anyways you get the little spark and fight between people outraged or people who uh, support the that kind of story and then the media all that happens to the media outlet gets more publicity mm -hmm. makes more money out of it and and they they the cycle starts again basically right. so yeah we need to we, we need to find better ways to, to kind of channel our, our outrage in that sense so yeah thank you to um listener michelle for raising that point um Final news story um, isn't actually a story in itself, but just a note to tell people to watch Anton Ferdinand's uh, documentary on BBC One. Um, it would have been aired the day the day before you listen to this, so uh, go and check it out on BBC iPlayer. But context: Anton Ferdinand Anton Ferdinand was racially abused on one of the most high profile uh, racist incidents in British history, I guess, by um, England captain at the time, John Terry. Um, and yeah, he went through a whole mad fiasco um, with with the law and. Um, yeah that whole case and everything and yeah he's just kind of recounting his events um he has a high profile brother rio ferdinand those of you would know so yeah it's just that his kind of story of, of that whole incident and how it affected him in his life because you know john terry's career was pretty much unaffected by it. he could do whatever he wanted but no one really looked deep into anton ferdinand's side of things so yeah i'd highly highly recommend uh, you guys to watch that um at this moment of recording i haven't even watched the documentary myself but i've been in shows and building settings with Anton Ferdinand to hear his side of the story multiple times in the past. So I know, I pretty much know I'm about to watch in this documentary, but it'll be interesting to see what kind of things he brings up um, and we'll review the documentary on the next podcast episode. So yeah, have a watch guys and tune in to our review on the next ep. But yeah, we've covered a lot in the first bit of the podcast, but we want to now dive into the main episode which is going to be centered around lazy commentary stereotypes and lazy punditry of black sports stars okay guys so main chunk of this episode the kind of meat of the sandwich we're going to be speaking about racial bias in english commentary and kind of english punditry in general this stems from the report that was done by a kind of organization group called run repeat in june 2020 they basically created a study um of english commentary and just kind of showing the differences in how commentators speak about players of different uh, skin tones and the kind of biases that exist within that commentary so the kind of report itself and the study was um, made up of more than 2,000 statements from commentary on 80 different games across the Premier League, Serie A, La Liga and Ligue 1 in the French League. Um, they were all analysed um, by the Danish research firm uh, and they did it in partnership with the PFA. So they analysed 20 games from each league in the 2019-20 season and the players with the results kind of show that the players with lighter skin were often praised for their intelligence um, and then players with darker skin essentially um, were sort of more criticised for their intelligence. So 63.3% of criticism from commentators in regards to the intelligence of a player were aimed at those with a darker skin. Um, terms such as power and pace, and we're going to get into how that how often that is used um, and people have been calling it out for years. Power and pace was referenced more often if a player has darker skin, so referring to their physical abilities rather than their mental. Um, the study focused on seven broadcasters, so Sky Sports, BT Sport, Free Sports, BN Sports, TSN, NBCSN and ESPN. The commentators are or were 6.5 times more likely to talk about 
the power of a player if he has darker skin and 3.38 times more likely to reference his pace if he has darker skin. And then it kind of talked about some of the possible reasons for um, why commentators speak about this way. So they give the stat that about 5% of the commentators that they analysed and the co-commentators were from, a, and we don't like this term, but this is what they use, uh, BAME background, so ethnic minority background. Um, and yeah, just the final kind of summary was that because commentators um, and the pundits sort of help shape our views, um, whether we realise it or not, it's really important to highlight the bias that they use in their language on a kind of match by match basis and you know you watch a game because you listen to the commentary like if they're constantly using those kind of terms it, it sinks in your head whether it's conscious or unconscious like it really really has an impact on how you view a player um and commentary in general that's what commentary is there to kind of describe an incident or describe a situation in football and you know that helps shape your emotion towards something in the same way that if a goal is scored often how the commentator describes that goal is like what kind of fulfills your thoughts about that goal so if it's like an amazing goal and everyone's screaming the commentator's like oh my god my god um then you think then it kind of <laughs> amplifies your thoughts of, of how good that goal was if if a goal scored and a commentator kind of gives like a meaty kind of chilled reaction then you probably think oh the goal probably wasn't that special because the commentator didn't really scream about it and didn't really like talk too much about it so yeah commentators have a big impact and to have a study like this which shows how kind of biased they are towards the players with different kind of skin tones is, is quite quite uh, startling to see but also again something that has been called out by a few different groups over the, the last probably five to ten years in general anyway um, just from things we've heard as a consumer so it's not a shock but it's it's shocked to see some of the statistics that I just mentioned so the overall kind of narrative being driven um, by the res results given in this study basically gives the view that black athletes in general are less intelligent and kind of more hardworking and only able to succeed because of their God-given physical attributes and just athletic attributes in general. Um, this is what leads to essentially racism and the lack of opportunities given to, let's say, former black players um, who want to go into more executive and coaching and managerial roles within their industry but because they're only known for their physical attributes, so that kind of puts a massive ceiling on how far they can go up the ladder because they they were only good as players for, you know, their running ability, yeah, <laughs> for their PMP basically. So it's kind of like if if a player if a white player, let's say, who was more known for their intelligence on the pitch, they're gonna be more likely to receive a managerial or executive role because they've quote unquote proven that they can use their intelligence on the pitch anyway so they mm. they can easily adapt to a role off the pitch and that's the kind of narrative being portrayed by the constant racial bias being used in commentary because it, it, the less you see players as intelligent then the less you're going to be able to view them in those kind of positions and if they're not in those kind of positions then they're less likely to be able to affect change as we want to see so just more reaction to the report which was um published by the guardian um the run repeat report so it's just kind of funny that you know the journalists and the commentators they actually had a a shocked reaction to this report in some of the statistics um especially those in the football media world but as i mentioned we've been highlighting it for 
well not we specifically but many different groups have been highlighting it in the media for a long time especially through the term PMP um, I can reference you know Touchline Frackers who have been constantly they even made t-shirts Touchline Frackers for PMP because they they coined that term and they kind of used it as a as a what's the word like a, a funny kind of term to, to highlight how biased the commentators were and yeah you know we can touch on the unconscious bias that it, it kind of produces for black players and how it affects let's say Sunday league so which is lower down in football where when a footballer is identified and is picked for a team if often if you get a black player they'll often be put into positions on the pitch which amplify their physical ability so for example they'll be a winger because they're they're really fast so they can you know use their physical abilities on, on the wings or they'll be like a centre back who is mainly used for their power and their strength kind of thing but less often would you you know throw them into a central midfield position which is known as the kind of brain of the team because like that that needs someone who's a bit more intelligent so you know you want to keep them keep them mm. away from that side of that side of the pitch. Or um, they come to you as a striker and they become a centre back. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah happened in school enough times but I was a goalkeeper, <laughs> right. not me boy. Yeah right. Right. enough people who who got that kind of treatment. So yeah, it's, it's, you know, Run Repeat said in their report that the study is built upon common methodology methodology to analyse bias within sports media and related to skin tones. In the past, a number of studies have been conducted covering bias in the Olympics, college basketball and American football. So, again, we're focusing on the football angle of things or soccer because of the sports I've just mentioned but it's something that's been prevalent and been done in many other sports and you know it's only in 2020 that you know we've been able to produce this kind of thing for for our sport that we love dearly but one of the solutions I guess which I'll bring on later on in the episode is can we run that kind of report every season now because you know we've started it and it's good that it's been highlighted but you know we're in the season 2020-2021 now so you know can we see a report like this at the end of uh, uh, this current season you know that's something that if if it isn't there then I'd like to probably write to the group run report or potentially work in conjunction with them to kind of produce this report and see how much of an impact it has had on the current commentators who who had a view of the report that was produced in june 2020 and there's an interesting point um made by the guys at the counter-attack podcast i was listening to their reaction for this and a couple of them made the point that historically black people have been used um to entertain in a lot of industries um especially by the white man so there's a similar narrative with the sports industry that um you have the white people at the top i mean more executive positions and the black people who dominate at the bottom and even though it's not seen necessarily at the bottom but it is because they're, they're not getting as much money or as power as those at the top but they dominate the more athletic industries and the more kind of entertainment industries and then but at the end of the day, there's always a white person at the top running it. And I think that's reflected in a number of different industries. I think the music industry um, is, is probably another major example where like, you might have you know, your black rappers or your black singers who look as if they're the stars, but really and truly the record labels are held, um, sorry, owned by majority white people. So they're the ones who control X, Y, Z. So yeah, it's, it, it kind of relates to this bias again um, with black people not being or ethnic minorities not being as intelligent to run these kind of companies and they're just used for their physical attributes so in football we're, we're relating to their you know their their pace and their power and their strength or you know in the music industry it might be their voice and other industries 
you know those hands-on kind of things that is stereotyped to be favorable to those ethnic minorities but you know the narrative that they, they can't use their brain and their intelligence to excel in these kind of positions is, is one that's very outdated and one that we really need to stamp out of many different industries especially the football one and also bringing a bit of his history into it and something that i touched on on a previous ep- episode relating to slavery um the terms kind of pace and power and beast which is often labeled at you know black players if, if a powerful black defender comes in or even a strike actually strike is more prevalent um it comes in and you know he's, he's using his strength in a positive way and using it to dominate the pitch oh he's a beast you know that guy like he just and <laughs> and that that term you know referencing black people to kind of animalistic character characteristics is is one that traces back to to slavery and we've spoken about you know black players being abused for their you know large manhoods and things like that um there's a generation growing up who don't know the actual reason for this and they're just coming up knowing that oh that player's got pace and power that player's a beast that player's or oh, the stereotype that black people have large manhoods like be the generation now growing up just thinking that's normal that's just like a way of life and it, you know they have to be educated um in a way that teaches them that it, well, it teaches them to unlearn it first of all and then teaches them the the kind of barbaric history behind those kind of words so you know as i mentioned in previous episode black men black men were painted as beasts with large penises to scare away white women because they were essentially reduced to being born on this planet to only have sex with the white women who were the partners of the slave owners basically so it's kind of like a a white slave owner and their wife um in order to protect his wife he would coin this myth that oh a a black man has a large penis so don't go and have sex with him and and kind of stay with me and that's how this myth was kind of created in history and it's just translated down society to now people have tried to use it in a positive way but it's not positive because it's it's untrue essentially so anything that's not true can't really be used in a positive sense so it's just this just crazy kind of sexual myth and you know bit explicit with it but that's what's coined into some of the physical terms used by black people and then if you want to look at the other terms about black people being strong and things like that because they were slaves so because they were seen as strong enough to to do the actual physical job so again all black people are naturally tough exact all these kind of things um you can even look at black women who are often going to be you know strong and like strong mentally strong emotionally that's all all because of things that they've had to endure Mm -hmm. because of slavery and because of history so they've they've had to endure these these things so they not all of them necessarily were out on the fields let's say during slavery but they had to endure some of the the hardship in the homes and and yeah. you know being raped and things like that so they've had to build up a level of strength but that doesn't mean that they are naturally the strongest kind of um species among us because no one is everyone's as strong or as weak as each other there's no like oh, black women are strong white white women are not etc mm-hmm. it's just you're a human being and you have your own kind of characteristics so you shouldn't be fit into this box where because of other people who look like you you must behave or you must speak in a particular way and coming back to men and coming back to football this this beast title has has never really sat well with me and you know i do commend someone like um Adebayo Akinfenwa who has turned yeah he's he's turned this beast thing into a positive thing where you know he and those of you who don't know he's a black footballer i again i referenced him in episode one because i was 
you know kind of racially abused to look like him but he's he, he's a black football who who's like big on his gym so he's really got like big muscles and Wonder. yeah he's a bro, he's, yeah i'll put it lightly, stop, stop, stop put it lightly. He, he's <laughs> bro, he's trying to go around, <laughs> go around it bro, the guy's yeah he's he's a and big he's a guy striker. yeah he's a and big he's guy old man, but he's still bagging yeah but that's that then you 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 said it right he is bagging goals he's been playing we'll check uh, his stats now, yeah he's been playing uh kind of league one league two championship football now for many many years and he, he's a quality quality striker someone who yes uses physical attributes but to, to score that amount of goals you have to use your head at some point so and and he's just coined as the beast now because he's taken this term of being you know he, he was told when he was coming up that he's too big to play football so he turned that into okay i'm a beast and i'm gonna show you i'm a beast by how many goals i'm gonna score and my kind of beast impact on this sport as as a as a powerhouse in that in in that light, so he's he's turned that into a positive. He's made branding and he's known as the beast now, um, and it's kind of interesting this kind of uh, animalistic description of of black players and and black players turning it into a positive thing. So you have um, other young footballers kind of using uh, animals as as a positive kind of characteristic. So you have um, Moise Keane, who's a Italian black football player he uses the gorilla not to necessarily describe himself but when he puts his little instagram posts he always like puts a little gorilla emoji um next to it and you also have memphis the pie who references um himself to a lion kind of thing so there can be positive ways of, of kind of kind of describing it but i think it's <laughs> it's similar in, in a way to the n-word how let's say black people have turned something that was a derogatory term into a positive mm -hmm. to, to kind of make themselves feel a bit better make themselves kind of be um what's the word be motivated and be be energized into a, a more positive light but that that's a very fine line and a very fine balance because i can look at someone like ksi um who's a famous you know black youtube person but he kind of turned this whole beast narrative and basically fueled the myth into thinking that oh black people have large manhoods black people you know love chicken and black people have all these physical characteristics he used it and actually helped himself grow um he used a negative stereotype to help himself grow into this kind of huge sensation that he is with his fifa and his football videos um because he constantly made references to black stereotype and because he had a largely white audience um kind of these young white teenage boys who'd be choosing tuning into his fifa football videos he you know coined the term beast and all these kind of things and because of the negative stereotype he's basically been able to make himself a millionaire and i'm not saying that's the only reason he's made himself a millionaire but it's a him. large part of his success i don't know how i feel about him that, that, and that's what i'm saying that 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 because he's built his success mm. on um on this negative it's myth and negative I feel stereotype. Like he's his name off a degrading element that, and it's that's the thing that like, why would you anyway carry on <laughs> but, no but, but but you're right exactly and and you as a black man perpetuating that stereotype and using it to become as successful as you are that it leaves a bad taste in your mouth and this is what i'm talking about the education of people across generations because now the, these white kids are growing up thinking yeah black people have large penises black people love chicken black people you know are, are, have pace and power when they're a footballer like all these kind of things that like, they're growing up because the ksi has taught them this so you know, some of them who have never met a black pe person in their life, first black people... Stere the stereotype of Big Shaq. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, the, all, all these kind of things, oh, black people are gangsters, like... It, it, 
we're not doing ourselves any justice sometimes as black people or, or people who have made it into into the spotlight as black people. We have to and be very remember, careful. Above them are the people that want that stereotype to be portrayed. So they want they want to encourage the one that is seen as the you know the gangster or the, the, the beast. The beast or like one thing. Obviously, my main thing is music. As much as football, my main thing is music. And one thing that happens a lot in the industry is that a lot of rappers, UK rappers especially, they often got blown once they've come out of jail. And it's weird. It's like why is the ex the ex convict ex convict now ch- top top in the charts? Because they want to say that you, you, you've got to make it out of the, the slums or the, the, the back end of something to be able to be successful. And it's the same way they use that same, turn that story around in, in their favour. So just like how they would in football saying, oh, you know, in the way he grew up playing football. On the uh, streets on with the like streets, concrete yeah. and all that. Yeah, yeah. All referring to a lot of London football to um, cage football. Cage football, like, yeah, yeah. A lot of cage football and yeah... Um, you used to play football with people older than you, didn't you? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. you you were playing two. The black boy was always playing two years above. above. Yeah. Why? Yeah. And now he's successful, but because he was playing two years above, is beast because that's where he learned all these physical. Why you, yeah. Why did you do all of that? Because I lived on the estate, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're the black boy that grew up on the estate who's now made it. Yeah. And it's like, come on, guys, like, don't stop trying to make that narrative the things like they do it with like they do it with your like your Sterling your Sancho's mm. like they do it even that like, you like were referring to Rashford before yeah. like they love referring to the cage football like don't often see the whole cage I don't see a um a cage football boot what's his name Sancho's got oh, the Sancho's boot. yeah yeah Sancho's got the boot that's I don't see that man have the cage football no. on their boot like and some of them came came from cage football but a lot of people, yeah yeah a lot, a lot yeah, of people, black white Asian whatever yeah, yeah. a lot of People came from cage football. Okay, you played football in the park. You played football with your mm. friends. You played football in the cage, mm. concrete. We all did it. But why is it them, man, that they have to highlight highlight mm. the cage footballer? Like, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, so it's just it's just that narrative that's been created by what well, it's not even created by the media. It's 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 hand in hand with the media and those people who have yes come up through those those ways of living and those those ways of life but because of how it's been turning because people keep perpetuating the myth it's how black people are seen in in all these kind of characteristics whether it's the physical side of things or whether it's where they've come up from you know why can't a black person who's been to private school and you know gone to university then go and be a famous musician like why does he have to come come through the struggle go to jail do this and then now that's the only way he can become a rapper like <laughs> Same same way in the football in the football world. Why can't you? Um, I know there's age limits and things like that, but why can't you? You know, go to school, be, become educated, and then become like a famous black footballer or something like this. There's no like correct part to do things, but it's oh, you have to go go for an estate, learn your your cage football, all of this, and then like and go for an academy. Yeah, and then, and then, and then you can become a famous footballer. So, yeah, these are some of the stereotypes that we really need to think about and and get rid of. Um, and yeah just just kind of stamp out of the game because and the game and our society in general because it's, it's things that are just not true and, and we're in such a progressive way of living now amongst ourselves especially in you know cities like london and the uk in general where pe- people have so many great and amazing stories and we need to step out of the standard stereotypes that have been created by mm-hmm. 
the the media and the, and those people who have come before us because we're in such a better light now that yeah we just need to move past that. Yeah. Another example of the media, the way they kind of use their little digs to kind of fuel these stories and and to kind of keep pressing them in to to think that you know certain things that black people do are or aren't normal um, was ex Liverpool. Uh, coach Roy Evans who was commentating on a youth game um, between Liverpool and Man City Man City and he City City I went a bit money I went a bit money City I know I, I work with a guy from Manchester I don't know where I got that from but yeah City um, yeah so he basically he was commentating and he was commentating on a black player uh, called Darko Giabi and um, he basically said that oh there there aren't many normal names these days are they um in reference to that um, black Man City player, um, and he got called out for it, and you know Liverpool made him apologise for it, that that kind of thing. Um, and again, not much was done for it. I don't think he was he was banned necessarily from commentating again, but that kind of thing again has xenophobic vibes. And you know, I even take personal reference to that because the the name Darko um, has you know uh, Ghanaian heritage and. You know what's not normal about it. You know his quote was, "Oh, there's not many normal names these days, are there?" So, you know, another example of that kind of older generation who need to be educated to j- just be more accepting of the different cultures that are currently living in this society. And you know, it's that stereotype that you know black players have to be in certain positions and black players have to do this and that. And it's kind of like I, I don't know what position that Darko plays, but if, if he was stereotyped to be in that p- particular position of winger or of centre-back, then, you know, Roy Evans has probably just seen him as another one of someone on the chain and, you know, not really giving him much thought and much special treatment. It's just kind of throwing him, oh, yeah, it's another one of them kind of thing and referencing his name not being normal. So, yeah, it's just, it's just another... another stabbing and another massive wound created by, you know, two two massive clubs and something that again needs to be not just addressed but someone like Roy Evans can be used in his education of why he was wrong to speak to people who are around him and speak to people you know at his club and and you know he can be used from this incident in a more positive way than just oh he's xenophobic and and just kind of cancelling him for that but yeah that stereotype that you know (laughs) names are not normal and things like that you know we every name is normal every every name is is something that's beautifully created for a particular person so yeah i just wanted to highlight that issue um with the, again a commentary kind of side of things and the it, the slips not just the slips of the tongue but the way commentators are voicing their kind of inner thoughts and the kind of impact that it can have because if you hear that you say oh yeah that name isn't normal then you're not going to be as embracive of cultures as you should be And then finally, just summing up the kind of commentary and analysis side of things, um, the athletic article that we spoke about a few episodes ago with the fans, the, the those writers Ryan Conway, Carl Ankar, etc., over Shane Thomas, they spoke about their experiences as the only journalists who were of ethnic minorities in the press boxes, and you know this was even more noticeable behind those closed door games as kind of since COVID, where it was only journalists allowed in the stadium. Um, you know, one of them gave the example of being asked to pick a man of the match, and when he did, someone accused him of, or joked, jokingly accused him of only pick it, picking the player because he was 
the same skin skin color the same black basically um and yeah it's just that behind the scenes again behind the scenes of football where there's commentary uh, commentators pundits um football journalists because there's not enough ethnic minorities and there's not enough kind of spread of people in a more diverse way the, the way of thinking is that when you see the minority come in and make certain decisions because it's so foreign to you because it hasn't been implemented and the way of thinking hasn't been implemented then you're just going to stem back to your ignorant ways and your ignorant thinking to think that oh he's only picking a black player as man of the match because he's the same colour as him and you know it's, it's not just a case of getting more um, ethnic minorities into those commentary punditry um, and journalist position it's about educating the way of thinking so that those people who are in those positions and good at their jobs they have a more progressive way of thinking right. but in my opinion i think it comes from getting more ethnic minorities into those kind of organizations so they, they can help the education by being there live and center mm-hmm. if, if it's just filled with a non-representative kind of spread of people then you're only going to be led to one way of thinking so if you get the right kind of spread of people in those organizations and things like that then eventually the cream will rise to the top and the, the the people are most talented will end up running those industries and yeah the places will become more diverse and people have more progressive ways of thinking but if you just keep it to the kind of spread it is at the moment like you said those black writers or the sometimes the only you know ethnic minority journalist in the box like that, that kind of thing is never going to help um the thing can become more progressive because they're only, only going to be, see, be seen as an outlier and not part of the trend. So it needs to become a more normal thing where people are used to seeing diversity and used to seeing a range of different you know backgrounds and, and ethnicities and things like that. And then eventually the way of thinking will become more progressive and that will lead to stories being written in a more um, kind of progressively thought manner. Mm-hmm. Commentators, you know, speaking about things in, in a more... <laughs> more 21st century manner rather than the classic terms that they always use and yeah the same with being the same then, with analyzing players wait a second but you see when pundits speak don't they have like some sort of like guides or cues or like teleprompters like on football analysis obviously no. not commentators but commentators they go off the, they yeah, go off yeah. there and that, but pundits don't they have notes they don't just wing it and this is the point and this is um someone uh, Clive Tilsley who's um, you know one of the main commentators for ITV and uh, he, he got sacked from ITV and we're going to come mm-hmm. into him and the solutions he was speaking about the education of co-commentators um, as a result of this um, report that came out about the bias in the English commentary because co-commentators like say you're Jamie Carragher's you're Gary Neville's and stuff all, all commentators in general they prepare their notes beforehand but in terms of actually analysis, the the main commentators, so someone like Clive or someone like Martin Tyler, they don't actually do any analysis. Is the their co-commentator who's normally the ex-footballer? Yeah. They're the ones that do most of the analysis. So they, it's them who basically have to be trained to be, be speaking in a more educated and more progressive yeah. manner because they can write their notes, but their notes are still filled with pace and power basically. Mm-hmm. So it's about teaching them that look, you need to you need to analyze the player for what he actually is not just he's black and i'm gonna find any way any excuse to call him fast and call him strong kind of thing so aggressive yeah aggressive and and all that kind of thing so so, (laughs) if i speak i'll be in big trouble um 
so yeah, the the, the co commentators are are the main focus in in the kind of study and in the kind of solutions which which will kind of come on to about how they need to be educated. And yeah, Clive talks really well about that, so we'll get into him in a bit. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a review and a five star rating. So guys, solution time. Um, going to be speaking about solutions to lazy commentary stereotypes especially within football and especially touching on the report that we spoke about run by run repeat on the racial stereotyping in football commentary so touching on clive tildesley who is as i mentioned before the break one of the most famous and iconic voices in the game off the back of the report that came out on lazy commentary he kind of made his own article on the guardian after writing to the PFA about this issue, um, he specifically asked for the training of co-commentators who are mostly ex-players relating to the issue because he, as a main commentator, he just describes the game, but they explain and analyse the game afterwards. So he says, I mentor media undergraduates. I discuss the business, the purpose of commentary with them. But does anyone discuss that with the co-commentators who step straight off the field and pick up a mic? Um, so the first ones that come to my mind are, you know, Jamie Carragher, Gary Neville. Um, and I I wouldn't even necessarily accuse them. They might have done it in the past, but I wouldn't see them as people who only describe, you know, black players as pace and power and things like that. But there's a general theme of, you know, when you step off the pitch and retire from football, and you go into the media world, you often do kind of co-commentary, but you get those jobs because of your status as a footballer, not because you trained hard and got the education and grounding from someone like Clive in the first place. Clive goes on to say, most of the opinions and judgments you hear during during commentaries come from co-coms, they don't come from me, the lead com. He says, preparation isn't all about neat writing or facts and figures, it's about thinking, thinking what you're going to say and how you're going to say it preferably before you say it that is what the report and the one we referred to about uh, racial commentary and racial bias is telling us commentators and co-commentators to do and i'm all for that clive says so clive in his analysis kind of says that it made him realize how little feedback he actually gets beyond the abusive twitter mentions and that's quite an important part of not taking social media as the main opinion of everything because you know, it's it's a sense where like someone's actually look looking back on the work that you've created and giving you feedback. And this is why I asked for one of the solutions and one of the main solutions we're gonna pin is can we get this kind of research produced every year? You know, can someone like Clive and his co commentators, Martin Tyler, Andy Townsend if he still commentates, like all these kind of people who are known commentators in the game, um Jamie Carragher, Gary Neville who I've mentioned, um, who's the guy on BT Sport Flav and Sav, no Fletch and Sav, Flav and Sav, Fletch and Sav, Fletch and Sav. All these guys, like, can we get research research produced on them every year to see how they're doing as commentators? Are they following the same pattern that was noticed in nineteen twenty, or are, are they getting better? Where where do we need to put in the education? Because all these kind of things, as I mentioned, <laughs> the commentators have such a big impact on people who watch football. They they drop little words and little tones, or they react to certain things, and that's what sticks in your head as a football fan. And you as a football fan, you're not just a football fan in your nature, you're a person in society. So if you're getting these kind of views because you love and watch football and that's your only exposure to different races or your exposure to people on a, on a global level, then that's the kind of 
way of thinking that's going to take you into your society. So take the example of a little schoolboy who isn't necessarily from a diverse society. If he watches football and that's the only first exposure he has to, let's say, black people or to people of non-white ethnicities, then anything that the commentators are saying and the way people are analysing those players, then he's going to take that into his way of living. And when he does come into contact with a person of another ethnic ethnicity, then he's going to think that way about them. So if that way of thinking is a biased one to say that, you know, the stereotypes that we've mentioned previously, I'm not going to go back through them, then that's what he's going to think. And then he's going to pass it over to his children, etc., etc. And that's how it kind of spirals out of control. So, the point and the main solution we're driving at is can we get this kind of research produced every year for people who commentate and people who fuel the kind of opinions we see on a game such as football on a wider level and that's something that i will take the action for as bth to write to run repeat to ask them if they can actually produce a report every year or you know where we'll be more than happy to work with them or other industries to or, sorry groups to work to produce this kind of report um on a on a yearly basis because i think it's a it's a very good one that they've started with but as with most solutions to things we don't want it to be a one-time dropping the stone dropping the sea kind of thing we want it to be a something that snowballs and gets further and further bigger and bigger every year mm-hmm. the second solution and we touched previously on the athletic writers who were speaking about the lack of um kind of diversity within the press boxes and gen- and journalists etc so the athletic are planning to host uh and again they use the term bame but it's called a bame tel- talent id day hopefully we want them to change the name of that but uh basically a talent id day for people of ethnic minorities to help find more diverse journalists and yeah just diversify the range of opinions which actually help describe players in football um in different ways <laughs> other than your classic uh, pace and power terms um, and the goal is to, and what they've mentioned the goal is to have let's say a black press officer um, in a range of different clubs or an, an Asian black uh, Asia press officer in different clubs which would be a massive step because a press officer is the main link between the football club themselves and all the media outlets like they're the main person who controls what goes in what goes out what reporters come in what stories go in and out etc so to have someone of ethnic minority controlling that I think would be a massive massive step and it's it's those kind of positions who you know they're not necessarily CEO they're not like the main football player but in terms of information that goes in and out they're such a key person so for them to have you know the the knowledge and the cultural awareness of someone of an ethnic minority and having that as their background I think would be a massive step for clubs and football in general so but those talent ID days that the Athletic are creating, that's going to lead to those ethnic minorities being in positions such as lead journalists and top journalists for this firms, and eventually they can go on to acquire those kind of roles such as a press officer. But it's got to start from the bottom to identify the journalists, let them shape their craft and let them progress in the industry and then eventually become those top positions in the football industry and the media industry in general. Focusing on the athletic again and some of the further solutions they spoke about with with commentary and analysis of players, um, they spoke about a solution of banning certain words, which they didn't actually use as a solution, but it's something worth discussing, which was like, for example, banning 
pace and power or banning like certain terms which are used in a more biased way but i think they they also said and i agree with them that you have to be very careful about banning certain words let's say because essentially all it will do is internalize how people feel about those particular issues and Mm. if they hold a racist view like we spoke about greg clark the other week if you do have a racist view within yourself if you're just told you can't air that view in public then you're just going to internalize it keep it in your household keep it in your group of friends it doesn't change anything it doesn't change how you actually think you're not educated about it so i don't think banning anything is is necessarily the way forward so if anyone did think that or just ban them from saying this and that that's not a progressive solution that will help solve the problem you have to educate someone to see to say why it's wrong and educate them what is the right way to speak about something or right way to phrase something and you know, give them the historical talk that I've mentioned as to when things came from slavery, etc. Give them that if, if you have to, but the main point is to educate them and, and teach them a better Let way of yeah, expressing themselves rather than just saying, bang, th- this thing can't be said in public. It's not saying that you can't say it in your homes or whatever because, yeah, and, and eventually if you have a more educational approach to things like that, that's how you create change in households and cha- change in households leads to change in generations. So that's the kind of thing where even on a society level between yourselves listen to this podcast you your colleagues your friendship groups like let's not necessarily ban like the use of oh in my friendship group no one's allowed to say pace and power no one's allowed to say beast like it's not that it's it's <laughs> if, if someone says it it's saying nah like he's not that he's actually quite intelligent blah 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 like it's rephrasing the way you kind of say things in your individual groups that can help on a lower level to changing your mindset as as an individual in society but obviously if you're listening to this you're most likely a football lover so your commentary on foot on football players in that way because it's important to embrace language language is a part of not only commentary but just part part of society and, and it's how you express yeah yourself, how you express yourself in general part of our, our way of living as human beings so you know when a black football player does something using their strength call it out and say yeah he's strong in that situation like, we don't need to lie and say <laughs> like that he's in, yeah he's he's actually very muscular but he's <laughs> like yeah just his just, approach to it was rather <laughs> do you know what i mean like superhero like yeah but it's just that calling something as you actually see it so if a black pl- if a player in general is um like what we've seen is like oh a player will be small and you know very very quick but like he could be quite skinny but a commentator will refer to him as pace and power which doesn't make any sense because where's the power where yeah like if he's fast call him fast if he's strong call him strong but like don't just be like as soon as you see a black player of any note it's pace and power just because it's black and aggressive player. no it's pace and aggressive aggressive, being aggressive. they love the yeah, aggressive term. exactly and that feels into the whole oh because black people are not intelligent so they, they just act on their emotions and you know they not being able to control your emotions is a level of intelligence so mm. if you continue to label you know black players and ethnic minorities as aggressive and not able to control their emotions then mm. obviously you're not going to be able to control your emotions in a high top position so you're just going to be stuck at the bottom so yeah the the solution in it's kind of a weird one we're presenting is not to it's not to ban certain words but it's to more educate um people of, of how they can use certain terms because it affects how we you how we speak to each other and how we view things in our everyday lives, um, and I actually challenge all the listeners um, on, off the back of this report. Any anyone listening to this podcast, next time you watch a ninety minute football game, or if you listen to highlights or punditry or analysis, <laughs> try and note down how many times you hear the words pace and power, or the term beast, or the or the term yeah, like 
lacks intelligence or that kind of or, or something along those lines really listen especially with black players how the commentators are describing them and so just hearing yourself try and take note as to how they are actually describing it because they know about the report now the report's been there for a good five months now so they're supposed to be changing their ways um but you, just you yourself listen to how people are being described and you'll you'll hear or you might not hear um how this thing is kind of taking let us shape. know let yeah. us know let us well. know give us yeah. a shout and just say yeah, yeah i watched the game the other day and you know i heard this x amount of times like let us know you want to see on the ground how people are actually doing it and yeah like we mentioned hopefully at the end of uh, this current season we'll be able to get a report to see to reflect how you know commentators are or aren't progressing in their changing of descriptions gotta do a pmp count <laughs> i like that hashtag pmp count let's do that one we'll shout touch our practice for that actually because yeah they, they they got the branding on that cool and the third and final solution um is actually one that sky sports um presented and created uh in november so in conjunction with the pfa um since June, Sky, Sky Sports have conducted extra sessions um, in regards to the language that their staff use when specifically discussing any stories and issues concerned with the Black Lives Matter campaign. So this was a past story when all the kind of Black Lives Matter stuff was in the news quite heavily and they essentially trained their staff on, on how to speak about certain things because it's a very sensitive topic etc which was good and it, it brought a lot of light to i guess a, a lot of their staff into what the issues were and how to talk about those issues as an update to that uh, in november uh, sky sports told their presenters and their pundits not to use the bame acronym in ongoing efforts to be more inclusive now that's quite interesting because of what we've spoken about and um try not to use terms like bame or people of color because it doesn't actually describe the individual person themselves you know there's so many different cultures in life and especially within the black and the asian and other ethnic minority categories there's so many different cultures like if you call someone black like there's black african black caribbean even if there's black african there's you know there's black nigerian black Ghanaian. like there's so many different cultures that we need to dive, dive into so to just group everyone as as one race or as one um ethnicity isn't right so you know sky said that they brief their staff on the perception perception of certain words in different communities and the research found that fewer than one percent of viewers knew what bame even meant and uh, our good friend of the podcast troy townsend he is one person who has actually addressed the sky staff themselves on inclusive language in that sense so as we mentioned in a previous episode bame doesn't actually <laughs> it does the opposite of what it's supposed to do it's not an inclusive term because like i mentioned it puts ethnic minorities into a bucket of you're black you're asian and you're, you're just a minority it's kind of like white is king and you're just other basically so that's i think one of the main reasons why they've been taught and the staff have been taught and people are coming in to teach them that this is not a progressive way of speaking about people and it, you need to identify who the person is where they're actually from and use that to describe them rather than just calling them a bane person because they're black or asian or latino or any or anything else it, it, it's not correct so yeah props to sky for that and we hope again to see you know how that as a solution has has gone in the next few months and the, and the next couple of years to see how much of an effect it has and what other things sky are doing within their industry to to kind of help that so so also we can use it in our everyday lives as 
a way of thinking about how we describe each other and you know here beyond the hashtag we always like to bring things home and you know us as black people as white people as asian people we can refrain from using these terms such as bame and people of color and something that sky have directed us not directed us to do but taking their lead and taking the example and you know we can look at stories like this from the football world but also bring it home to our everyday lives you know if you're describing a group of people if they're from mixed ethnicities you don't have to use the word bame you can literally say yeah there's a group of, of black people of asian people call them what they are oh it was Ghanaians and nigerians or whatever you know this this actual ways you can describe people and if, if you don't know what they are then you just call them people you don't have to <laughs> you know what i mean you don't have to like what's there's like, yeah, human, there's just humans like there's, there's no like stop trying to group people into into crabs in a bucket so yeah that's the third solution so well done to sky on that and hope we hope to see more in the future So thank you, ladies and gents, for listening, for lending me your ears. Yeah, it's been a really interesting episode touching on just language in general to us and how effective language can be and how, you know, detrimental can be if it's not used in the right way. You know, we mentioned embrace language because we, this podcast is literally language that like you're, you're listening to different forms of language being portrayed. But it's so important to get our language right and the people who have the most influence in language especially need to get what they're saying right because it has such a massive effect on each and every one of their viewers but yeah thank you for for tuning in thank you once again for all your support and everything you've done continue to keep sharing the podcast you know share it to your individual friends your individual group chats etc let me know when you've listened to an episode you know give, give me a buzz on, on my socials and just say yeah i tuned into the episode even that you know it motivates me it motivates us and the team to keep going and to keep producing content and yeah let's keep taking the fight to racism one goal at a time and keep taking beyond the hashtag to higher heights Here at Beyond the Hashtag, we invite all those who are invested in breaking the generational chains of racial injustice, one goal at a time. To continue the engagement with us, please follow our socials, Instagram at beyond hashtag underscore, that's at beyond hashtag underscore, tweet us at beyond hashtag, that's at beyond hashtag on Twitter, you can email us for more lengthy discussions or suggestions hello beyond hashtag at gmail.com the email again is hello beyond hashtag at gmail.com and our episodes will always be available on spotify google anchor fm and apple podcasts thank you once again for listening and god richly bless